Thank you for joining me in this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I do believe you're going to be blessed by uh, this message and our fellowship after the message. I'm so excited to have you with us. For all those people that are first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church, we want to just welcome you and say, be blessed, be part of this. This is what God wants for people. The good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what Dynamic Web Church is all about. It's about getting people established in the grace of God so they can go and live a successful life. When I talk about a successful life, I talk about a holistic life, a life that is successful in every area. It's successful in peace, joy, uh, righteousness, long-suffering, whatever there is that you need, patience, that you can be successful in that, finances, that you can be successful. That is what it is all about, to see you as the man or the woman of God that God has ordained you to be. That is what Dynamic Web Church is about, to see you established. If you want this spelled out, um, all that we, we stand for and what we believe, you can go on the website and you can just go under our doctrinal statements. We've got everything there. Go and have a look at that. Then I want to just say this. We've got a five-minute Bible school running now for, I think it's a week and a half, two weeks. And it is awesome. We've got more than 20 people that is enrolled into the five-minute Bible school people that are sending the stuff back. We are so excited to see what God is doing in the five-minute Bible school. I do believe that this is just going to grow. We've got people from Natal. That's uh, Natal, Kozul Natal is a province in South Africa, for those of you who don't live in South Africa. Um, where we've got a pastor that wants to impl- implement this in his cell groups in his church. So that his church can be trained in the message of grace. Then we've got about five to ten pastors in Natal that's also excited that these, these pastors come from the rural areas and they, they want to enroll into this Bible school as well. So we're very excited to see what God is doing in the five-minute Bible school. And that is not included in the number that we've said 20 people enrolled. That's people that's already enrolled and uh, that is part of this, already sending their stuff. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do. And I, I never thought that this will really um, impact people this greatly, but obviously it's an idea that came from God. And it is working. Hallelujah. And I want to just thank everybody that has helped me, my staff, everybody that has worked hard to get this done. Um, especially uh, Elise that has been writing all... I mean, she, she wrote the whole module. I, I did the five-minute uh, uh, message and uh, gave the idea on what must happen. And uh, they did everything, you know. And I, like I said to, to Vessel yesterday that this, this ministry... Um, yes, I've, I've got a place and a role that I play in this ministry, but um, a lot of this is just marked with their name. You know, when I think of what happened in the five-minute Bible school, I think of Elise. When I think of all the secretarial work that happens here, it is Janet. And if I think of what is happening on the website and the uploading of all the stuff and, and just keeping the computers running, all of that, I think of Esau. And that is that's awesome. Hallelujah. And um, I just want to say this. And, and to me in my heart and last night I was just thinking of this a lot uh, I want to just uh, maybe this man, I think this is the right place to do this I want to just honor my wife you know she's really standing with me she believes in what we do she prays for me she supports me she's, if I know there's somebody that is backing what we're doing it is Helena so I just want to honor you Helena for what you've meant for me through all the years Hallelujah. So, um, well, with that behind us, I'm going to get into a little bit of a uh, um, word, a short word about finances that I want to share with you. 
And man, I'm so excited about sharing this thing. And just before that, I want to say this. We are leaving for a trip to Zambia tomorrow. So we will be there for two weeks. Uh, next Sunday, there will definitely be a broadcast, but it will only be pre-recorded. So um, it is. Uh, so you, you're going to have your message. You're going to have a message on the book of James or whatever God's placed on my heart. And uh, man, enjoy that as well next Sunday. Don't think that you will not be able to to see a message. It, it, it will be pre-recorded. And the fellowship afterwards will also be there with Elise. She will run the whole thing. So this ministry is not built on me. So if I'm not here for two weeks or a month, it can still run. Amen. Hallelujah. That is, that's the good news. That's what we want. It's not about a man. It's about Jesus Christ and a team working together. So let's get into, into the Word. Uh, now, for those of you who watch this for the first time, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a short word now. Then we're going to go into worship and then I'm going to share another word. Now today's normally the message is about an hour long uh, after the worship, but we're going to have it shorter today because we had some uh, problems with the computers and my laptop was just infested with viruses. I downloaded an antivirus program that was, I, I didn't struggle with viruses, but then there came a thing up and I didn't know how it worked and I downloaded the wrong program, an antivirus program, and it just got a lot of viruses on my on my computer and we've done it over twice now and man we're just struggling with it so and normally we do our recording and our live broadcast from the laptop so we can't do it now that way so this this is recorded onto a tape and then placed into the into the machine that broadcasts it broadcasts it so um this is only going to be an hour you know everything together you know so with the worship maybe an hour and 20 minutes so uh, don't be upset, those people that are so fond of web church, who say, oh, you only preach for 35 minutes. So, man, enjoy what you hear, go and study it, it will just bless you. Let's get into Luke um, chapter 18, and I'm going to read from verse 9, I want to speak a little bit on finances. <clears throat> uh, oh yeah, I just want to say this, good news, I finished my book on finances, I wrote a, a book uh, called Money on the Cross, and uh, it's... It's with Sherry in um, in Italy at the moment, and uh, she's doing all the talversorging. Now I don't know what the English word for that is. She's just checking the grammar, the spelling, and doing everything for me, and a lot more on that book. So, well, thank you, Sherry, for what you do for me there. Um, God bless you. You just man, it's just awesome um, to see what you do, and and now God has just placed you into this ministry as well. Amen. And man, I just believe that book is just going to touch the lives of so many people. And uh, we're going to publish it. It's going to be in the form of ebook as well for those people who want to download it from the internet. And uh, But we will tell you when it's on. I think it's going to be a bit of time still. But I finished the book and, and I, read, I read through it. Uh, well, I finished it, when was it? I think six months ago. And I five months ago, and then I said, let me just give give it some time, and then read through it again, so that I can uh, see from another perspective. Just let let my mind just get out of it a bit, so that I will read it like somebody will read it for the first time. And I must be honest, I know I wrote it, but when I started to read the book, I couldn't put it down. Now I'm not a person that likes reading, and uh, that book has got I think 160 pages, 170 pages, and I read through it just like that. And then, then I could go through it slowly and change some stuff and put in some more examples and whatever. So, I'm very excited about that book and I believe it's going to touch 
many people. It's a combination. It, it speaks on finances. But man, if you want to just know about righteousness and what God's done for us, that is, you can use that book. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let's get into the Word. Um, and he spoke this parable, this is Jesus, unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. And he said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I possess. Now look at what he looked at to see that he's righteous before God. This is what he says. He says, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. So this, this man saw that he was right before God because he was tithing. Now, and fasting. But let's look at the tithing part now because I want to speak a little bit about finances. So he said, I'm righteous because I fast and I tithe. And the publican stand, standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So what happens here is this one, the one man, the Pharisee, trusted in himself, trusted that what he has done would um, make him righteous before God. Now, uh, so many times we say, no, we trust in God because we are doing the things of God and, and that makes us righteous. But God, Jesus didn't say they, that they were trusting the good deeds to save them. He said that they trusted in themselves. Now, what that means is if you think that by what you do, you are blessed of God, you are not trusting God to bless you, but you are trusting your, in yourself because it is by your own ability that you do that thing and um, to be righteous before God. So if you say that uh, I'm a tither, therefore I, am, I can make a demand on the blessings of God, for I'm a tither, you are not trusting in God, but you are trusting in yourself. You are making a false God before God. That's actually what it is. Now, I don't want to condemn other preachers. That's not what I'm, what I'm trying to say. I'm preaching to my church now. So, uh, this is not a, a platform where I've got other leaders and I don't want to, want to break down people. What, what I want to just do is get the people in Dynamic Web Church to understand what this is all about. If you come with your own effort, if you say, well, I've been tithing for so long and I've been sowing and I've got seed in the ground and I believe that because of my giving, God can bless me. I can make a demand on the blessings of God because I have been tithing. I'm a tither. I want to tell you that the words of Jesus, this parable is for you. Because you, like according to the scripture, trust in yourself that you are righteous and you despise others. It's easily for people to despise others when you look at your own works and your own righteousness. Now, let's forget about the despising others, but trusting in yourself for righteousness. So here was a man fasting and tithing and saying, I'm, thank you that I'm not like this man, that I'm righteous because this is what I do. And this other man, okay, so this guy, let me just say this, trusted in himself. The other guy did not trust in himself. And let's look at the words of a person that does not trust in, in himself to be blessed. That doesn't trust in his own righteousness. What, what comes out of the mouth of a person that is um, not conscious of his works, but conscious of God? This is the word. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, these are the words, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The one said, Lord, thank you that I am not like a sinner, 
but that I fast twice a week and that I tithe. So he saw his holiness in what he did. Lord, I am not a sinner. Look at what I do. Look at the manifestation of who I am in what I do. But, <laughs> and this is so powerful, um, it, it, Jesus did not see what he was doing in his works. He was seeing um, something else. He was, he was seeing a manifestation of another work. Jesus did not see the manifestation of, you know, this guy's actually a giver. He didn't see that. What he was seeing was, this person is self-righteous. He saw something evil in what he did. Because what he was doing, his works, was not good works. His works was the work of, I believe in my own power to be saved. And I'm bringing salvation to myself by what I do in works. So he will use good works, um, then to, or what we actually call, if we talk the right doctrinal language, he will use um, what it's called now, basically bad works. That's that's what it is. It's not it's not good works. A good work flows flows out of uh, the the power of grace that's in you. But he, the works that he's got, the correct word for that is dead works. It's the works that flows out of the ministration of death, which is called the law. So that is there's good works. There can be a good work which is to give, and then there's a dead work which says. This work, if I do it, this makes me righteous. That's dead works. That does not flow out of faith in who Jesus is. This man, the, the good work that this man did, that was um, a sinner, he, was, he came to the temple, that was a good work. He beat upon his breast, that was another work. And then the other work that he did was, he, he, he said something. And he said, be merciful to me. That was the other work he did. So the works that Jesus saw in the sinner was much better than the works of the other person. Because the works of the sinner was a result of belief that says that God can bless sinners. But the other man said that God is not... I didn't say this cognitively, but this is what you can um, take from it. Is he basically says God cannot bless. Uh, God is not good enough to bless a sinner. God can only bless those who are good. So, but I am good. And, and look how good I am. For I do this and I do this. If, if he would have said, God, thank you that I am not a sinner today. For thou saved me. It's only by grace that I'm saved. It's only by grace that I've entered into this new life. And I want to honor you for your salvation power. There wouldn't have been a problem. Lord, I see the manifestation of giving that I could never do. For you made me like this because of my own power. I couldn't do it. That would have been good works. I'm not saying giving is wrong. But what I'm saying is trusting in what you do can never save you. So, for anybody who gives to Dynamic uh, uh, Web Church, that gives to Dynamic Love Ministries, that gives to any church, please don't go on the basis of, I'm a tither. I've given to the church and now I've opened a way for me to be blessed of the Almighty God. It doesn't work that way. Come to God and rather say, Lord, in my own ability, I can never work any spiritual principle, although I tithe and give and do all those things. But that is never good enough to get me to be prosperous with the prosperity that comes from Jesus. Thank you that the sacrifice that you made Jesus was so great that you could bring great prosperity to us financially. Hallelujah. I also want to use this opportunity to thank every person that has been faithfully sponsoring Dynamic Web Church, um, using your credit cards, paying money to the ministry. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's an honor 
to receive that from you and to know that you have given it out of a heart that is not uh, condemned, out of a heart that says, I want to give it. Uh, it's wonderful. We can use that finances to go on trips. We can use it to, um, to pay our bills and whatever we need to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, for anybody who wants to give to Dynamic Web Church, know this. You can only give as long as what you're willing. If you're not willing, willingly giving, if you're a fearful giver, in other words, you give so that you can get God to bless you. Um, I want to say this. Get this revelation and rather keep the money for today. And after you get this revelation, you can find cheerful giving coming into your heart. You are more than welcome. I'm not rejecting you. All I'm telling you is that I don't want you to experience death in your own life by giving out of a heart that says, I must give, otherwise God cannot bless. And I've got good news for you. God blesses you because of Jesus. If you can believe that, you'll experience the manifestation of your righteousness, which is called justification, and you'll experience a change in your finances. And then giving is an outflow of gratitude. Giving is not an outflow of a need. You know, when the Bible, and this is what I also said in the book, when the Bible talks about the poor, it doesn't say that the church, the rich church in, I think it was Macedonia, I don't know where it was, went and they took up an offering from the poor churches to get them to be saved, to, to be blessed financially. No, no, that's not what it says. It says that they went to the poor churches to give to them. So we can't tell the poor, listen, give more than God's going to bless you and give to this rich ministry, then God's going to bless you. That's nonsense. That's a twisting of scripture. That's devilish. What, um, it's, I'm honest, it's born out of the heart of Satan. It's not born from God. What, what is born from God is, if there's a poor man, let's give unto him. Hallelujah. And another thing, Jesus said that he came to preach the gospel to the poor. And so many times we think that that, that, that word poor there speaks about the spiritually poor. It's not true. He continues to say, he come to heal the broken hearted and all that. And that's talking about those that are spiritually poor. The word poor there is the word beggar. In, I think it's, it's Luke chapter 4. It's the word beggar. So Jesus came to preach to the beggars. To those who had no money. Because what he preached brought financial prosperity. If tithing um, could bring financial prosperity, he wouldn't have preached to them. Because the Pharisees were preaching that. And he, they were preaching that to everybody. They must tithe. They must give this. They must give that. But that's not what makes a poor man rich. What makes a poor man rich is the good news of Jesus Christ that says, it's not by your giving. You don't have to give a cent. I'll enrich you. Believe on me. That's the good news for the poor today. If you are poor financially, maybe you got the CD five years from when I preach it today. Um, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you, if you are poor, um, I've got good news for you. Not by what you give to the church, is going to enrich you. But there's a God that loves you so much that He was willing to become a human being and to give everything He owned in heaven as the sacrifice to make you rich. Hallelujah. If you can believe that, if you can just believe it's so good, it is and it is for me. Not just that it happened, but that it is for you. You will find that number one thing happening to you, it's peace. Peace comes into your heart. The Bible says the wisdom from above is first peaceable. So if the right wisdom that comes to you today. The wisdom of it's not by my works. It's not going to produce finances in your life in this second. It might, but the chance is not very big. Let me put it this way. The first thing you're going to experience, this is what it says, the wisdom that's from above is first peaceable. It will first produce peace in your heart and in your life. And you will find the manifestation of that finances um, you know, as you 
continue with the expectation that God will do it. And that can happen in one day, in two weeks. I remember times when I needed 40,000 rand um, and it happens in a week and a half, two weeks. God just does it. Because when it's needed, it will be there. Amen. Hallelujah. So, thank you for everybody that's been giving. Let this word just touch your heart. It's the awesome good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you go over to worship, you'll see the, the, the words are on the screen. Sing with, enjoy the, the songs. If you know the songs off by heart, close your eyes, enjoy it. Whatever you feel to do, do that. You'll just experience the peace of God. Now, let's enjoy the worship together. Worship God with a heart that says, God, I've got gratitude in my heart. For your word of grace produced that gratitude. Enjoy the worship. strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are sealed, when striving sings, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ to fight. 
when I walk by your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? I dance for you, Jesus. Or in awe of you, be still. Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes, when I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by Your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for You, Jesus, or not? You be still. Will I stand in Your presence, or to my knees will I fall? I'll be able to speak it all. I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Oh, surrounded by Your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for You, Jesus? Or in awe of You be still? Will I stand in Your presence? Or to my knees? Whatever is true. 
Whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and of good report, anything virtuous, worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Be 
listen to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love. You sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery. The King of Love has sent for me, and now you're singing over me the Father's song. I have heard so many songs, listened to a thousand tongues, but there is one. Sounds above them all. Sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love. You sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody. The Creator's symphony. You are singing over me. The Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery. The King of Love has sent for me, and now you're singing over me. The Father's song.
Well, hallelujah. Let's get right into the word. I'm so excited about the word for today. We are busy with the book of James and explaining the book of James in the perspective of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, the book of James has got some harsh things that it says that sounds like law. But if we really go and look in depth, you can see grace in it. I don't think that James always wrote this from a revelation of grace. I think that James tried to write some law things here from his perspective, but thank God that his writings were inspired by the Holy Spirit so that when you look from the cross perspective, you can see grace in what he wrote. It's like the high priest. The high priest came and he prophesied certain things and uh, the Bible says he didn't even know that he prophesied. He thought he was just saying something. You know, and he had a completely different motive to what he said, but God uh, gave those words because he was the high priest and he prophesied not even knowing that he prophesied. So, in the same way, I think James wrote a lot of the things that he wrote here. Uh, inspired by God, but not knowing that, that, that maybe he tried to say something different, but God came and used his, his, um, his words and inspired them by the Holy Spirit. So, I'm not saying the book of James is not inspired of God. Please listen to what I say. Every word in the book of James, I believe, is inspired of God. Hallelujah. It's the blessing of God. But I don't think James always knew what he was writing. Uh, James, James was a, quite a funny man and he would, he would easily compromise when it came to the gospel. If you go and read in the book of um, Acts, uh, you will see uh, that, that James, man, he would just go and, and do things that was just, you can't believe what he did. He, he would say, listen, let's go and continue with all these Jewish practices. He would say that the Jews still had to be circumcised, but not the Gentiles. And um, Paul the Apostle was called for the Gentiles, and Peter was called for the Jews, including James. Those guys were just focused on the Jews. And another thing about the book of James, if you're watching this for the first time, a very interesting thing is chapter 1. And verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So here we can see his vision was just the Jews, what we call the Jew today, or basically Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel. So this was not even written to the Gentiles. So if you are um, reading the book of James, you must realize that you are reading it as if you are reading somebody else's mail. If you are a, a, a German or an Englishman or a South African or a Zulu or a Tswana or a Koza or a European or... Um, from Russia and watching this, America, Canada, you are reading and, and you are not from the 12 tribes of Israel that are scattered. You are reading somebody else's mail. And you must read it as if you are reading, knowing that this wasn't actually addressed to you. So, what the book of James says, um, and, and, and I want to just say this, Paul was the apostle unto the Gentiles. That's what the Bible says. So what Paul said as an apostle unto the Gentiles, you know is directly applicable to you. Not that I think that there's a different rule. I think the rule is the same. I just think the writing style will be different when you write to, um, if I write to the, the South African Bura people, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to write in a different style than what I'm going to write to the English. And I will write to the Jews or to the Muslims. And I think uh, uh, if we can start to understand that, to know that these people were really law-based people, and that what James wrote here, I think to the best of his ability, tried to implement grace 
into the lives of these people. And those Jews at that time, uh, I, I say Jews, but Israelites, they, um, man, they were aggressive people. If you don't do something right, they kill you. Paul was almost killed under the hands of, 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 the, of the Jews. You know, because he said that the Jews didn't have to be circumcised. They wanted to murder him. Can you believe it? So, number one thing of the book of James, know that it's written to the twelve tribes. Okay. And uh, it, it, it was written to somebody that was law-based minded. That, that, that was how he thought. They, I've written, written, uh, uh, read some commentaries and they say the book of James is basically uh, more Old Testament than a lot of Old Testament books. So, uh, but I do believe there's a lot of good news in it. Now let's get to um, the last verse in chapter 1, then we're going to go over to verse 2. The last verse in chapter 1 says, Pure religion, undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So, a pure religion, when it talks about religion or service to God, is to visit the fatherless and the widows. That's what pure religion is. It's a pure thing to do. If you really want to do service to God, in a pure way, go and visit the widows and the fatherless. Go and visit them. And then do something else. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now, what is the world? Um, you can go and read Colossians, 1, uh, Colossians 2 verse 23, and I'm not going to read it now. You can go and read it for yourself. It basically says that, uh, why are you as if you are in the world? Touch not, handle not, do not. It's basically under the law. So, a pure religion is if somebody goes and visits people because of the love that's in his heart. That's pure. Why? Because he is also unspotted from touch not, do not, handle not. So, we can't take that scripture in verse 27 and say, you know, a Christian, he must go and visit the fatherless and he must go and visit the widows. He must do it because that's pure religion. So, if you want pure religion, go and do this. No, no. What... The Bible says is not go and visit the widows and the fatherless and then your religion will be pure. It's like we said just before the service started. Um, <clears throat> you can't go and tithe and fast and then say, I'm righteous before God. You can't do that. But you can say that somebody who tithes and somebody who fasts or uh, uh, in this case somebody who visits the fatherless and somebody who visits the widows has got a pure religion. But you can't say go and visit the fatherless and the widows and then your religion will be pure. If you visit the fatherless and the widows keeping yourself unspotted from rules and regulations in other words you visit them out of the abundance of your heart because you love them that's pure before God. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't think you must go on to a fatherless and widow visiting spree to get your religion pure. No, no. Keep yourself unspotted from the world in the grace of God. The grace of God is what makes you pure. What makes you pure is the blood of Jesus. And because you are pure through the blood of Jesus, you will find the manifestation of good works which will also be to visit the fatherless and the widows. That's what you will do. And I've just seen in my own life when, when I see fatherless people there's a compassion that comes into my heart. I can't help it. It just comes. If I see widows, if I see people that can't care for themselves, I think that's why the widows of those days, man, they had nothing. They were abused by the Pharisees. 
there's, there's just this, this, this heart that says, man, let's help this person. Especially if a widow is elderly. You want to help them because there's nobody. And it comes, if it, it, it shouldn't come from, you know, as Christians we're at least supposed to help the widows and the orphans. No, no. It comes out of pure religion, free from a law, free from those things. That's what it comes, where it comes from. So let's go to chapter 2. And, um, uh, and, and I, I want to just say this. If you want to really understand James chapter 1, you'll have to go and study this with what I've said now. Uh, if you listen to this in the rebroadcast or you've downloaded from, from the website, you can pause right now and go and read that scripture for yourself. Go to Colossians 2 verse 23 and read it. Uh, we must realize that you're not going to get these revelations out of the scriptures if you are not in the scriptures. It's like digging for gold. You can't go and dig for, say, but I don't have any gold, but you've never been digging for gold. That's what the Bible says. God blesses those that diligently seek Him. And I'm not putting a law upon you, but I want to say this. If you diligently read the Bible with a perspective to see God, let me tell you something, you're going to see God. Not because you seek, but there's just a basic principle. Man, if you don't eat, you know, you're going to become hungry. Now you can't say, oh, but eating is a work, it's a law, you know. I, I don't want to eat because eating is a work. I just want to feel full all the time. Now that's foolishness. We're living in a practical world. In this practical world, God empowers you to want to do something. If you don't want to read the Bible, listen, um, get into the grace of God. Let somebody teach you the grace of God so that there will be a love in your heart that comes a pure religion, purely reading the Bible because there's a love in your heart, not because there's a law that says you must read the Bible to get something from God. But as you spend time in the Bible and studying the Scriptures, you will find, you see more about who God is. Now, some people say to me, Bertie, but you know, you get these revelations. But I, what I do is, I would say, Lord, um, I know that I will have a, a revelation about who you are just in my daily walk with you. That's true. But as I read the Scriptures, I will find something that's part of a system from where you can teach other people. So I will read the Bible and I will say, my God, I've got this, 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 this desire to just see who I experience right now between me and you in the Scriptures so that can even add to what I already have. And then I will read it and I will say, pure religion. Okay, what is the word, sorry for that, what is the word religion? Religion is, in Afrikaans, it's Godsdienst, service to God that is pure. Okay, pure. How do we become pure? We, we don't become pure by our works. We become pure by the blood of Jesus. So in other words, a work that comes serving God from the perspective of I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. That's grace. Isn't that awesome? And undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and the, in their affliction. Okay, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, okay, unspotted from the world. The Bible says we are living in this world. How will I keep myself unspotted from the world? Now, take a dictionary. Look, world, dictionary, uh, uh, Strong's dictionary. We will see the word world. Okay, what is world? When it talks about the world, unspotted from the world. How can I keep myself unspotted from the world? That can't speak about the physical world. It can't just speak about sins. Because he that says he's without a sin, he's a liar. You will find, according to the law, every person does have a sin somewhere. Okay? You're not going to be this perfect man just in your own works. You will, 
man, it, it, you will find the wrong thought somewhere in your life within 30 or 50 years. That means in this world it's going to be difficult to be unspotted. But unspotted here about the world, Colossians 2.23, Colossians 2.23 clearly says, the world is rule system, law system, hallelujah. Now, I understand that scripture. Now it, 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 it adds to what the Holy Spirit's put in my heart. I think that's what you must do. Don't be lazy when it comes to the Word of God. Read the thing. Amen. Study this word. This brings, uh, through this, you will find, not through your work in the word, but through the word that you read, you will find blessing. Amen. Now, chapter 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. Now, um, what happens here is, these Twelve tribes, or the basic thing of the Jewish people, they were so worried about what others think, and that has flowed over to most nations, it's basically everywhere in the world, um, that they would have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. Now, there was a person who did this as well, and his name was called the Apostle Peter. Peter came and he had the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ with uh, respect to persons, and uh, I think in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul writes, or Galatians, he writes and he rebukes Peter. Because when uh, Paul was there amongst the Gentiles, then Peter was there talking to them. And then all of a sudden, when the Jew- Jewish people came, then Peter ran off and didn't want to be associated with Paul and the Gentiles because he knew that the Jewish believers that came were still so zealous of the law, they didn't understand this thing, and that they... You know, they, they're going to persecute him and, and it's just that you just want to be in with him. And the, to the point that Barnabas, one of the, the disciples of Paul, was also taken with him, with Peter into this hypocrisy. That's what he calls it. So, and that was having the faith of our Lord with respect to persons. And I want us to go down to verse 4. It says, Are you not then partial in yourselves and are you not become judges of evil thoughts if you have, the faith, have, have um, the faith of our Lord with respect to persons. He says you've got evil thoughts and you have got the faith in partiality. You're partial in your hearts. Are you not then partial in yourselves? So that is having the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. In other words, you believe uh, um, in the, the cross of Jesus to a certain point, but then there's an area of your life where you don't believe it. You only believe a part of it. You believe, yes, the, the cross of Jesus Christ is what enriches me. Or, you believe the cross of Jesus Christ is what saves me from my sickness. It's what brings me uh, true joy and peace and righteousness. But when it comes to finances, I need to befriend the rich. <laughs> um, so, your faith is partial faith. You don't have the good news in every area of your life. And that's what he said to these people. He says, my, my, my brethren... Don't have the faith of... It says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is not faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus believes. What does Jesus believe about you? He believes that you've been made righteous. He believes that you've been washed in His blood. If you're a believer, He believes that your sins are forgiven. He believes all those type of things. Now, I believe that, but with a foundation of, I must also just respect people. Now, that is a law mindset. That is being spotted 
in the world because he says here down in the previous verse and just forget the chapter thing he says there um, keep yourself unspotted from the world my brethren explaining being unspotted from the world don't have faith partially half good news half law for if there come unto your assembly a man with a great uh, with, with gold with a gold ring in a goodly apparel and there comes in a poor and a man in veil raiment I, um, and you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing and say unto him sit thou here in the good place and to the poor stand here or sit there under my footstool are you not then partial in yourselves and have become judges of evil thoughts hearkening my beloved brethren have not God chosen the poor what he says is look Look at this. He says, Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to them that love Him? So what he's saying is, listen, God, the faith that God has, the faith that Jesus has, was that He chose the poor. But the faith that you've got is with respect to people. In other words, not the complete faith of Jesus. You've got partial faith. You are partial in yourselves. So, a part of you believes the good news, and the other part doesn't. Because if you believed the good news completely, you would have given yourself to the poor. That's what he's saying. The focus is faith. The focus was not what they do. What they do, they directed, what, 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 what uh, James was doing here, he was directing what they do to what they believe. He says, listen man, what are you believing if you're doing this? It means you only believe half the thing. Because Jesus believed the whole thing, God believes the whole thing, and what He does is, He gives Himself to the poor. That's what He does. But you've despised the poor. Do not the rich. Now He says, listen, look at this. Just look at the way it is. Look how far you've deviated from what is supposed to manifest in your life because of having the wrong faith. Look at the wrong manifestation in your life because of Half a faith and not a complete faith. Look what you've done. You've even, you've despised those that God loves. And you have taken in those that, uh, um, that oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats and do blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called. So these people were so worried about finances and being in with the Joneses that they would associate them and bless those that come into the congregation that are rich. And we've got that in churches today. People say, you know, this guy comes in, he's very rich. If, if we just treat him right, speak the right terms, do the right courses, do the right thing, then this rich man, he's going to get saved and he's going to give money to the church. Man, can you believe that? Well, you can. You've seen it in your life. Maybe you've, you've been a rich man that's been abused yourselves. That's what happens um, and that is because there's something wrong with the person's faith. It doesn't help you try to alter this person's behavior. You must change what he believes. Because what he believes, that's what James here says, is producing this thing. So, um, let's continue. If you fulfill the royal law. Now, listen, he's, he's coming, he's, he's trying to explain something here. And when we read the Bible, read what the word says there. He says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures. Now, the royal law according to the scriptures is this. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. 
Now, what he's doing here is, he's taking the law and explaining how the breaking of the law works. If you break one law, you're breaking the whole thing. That's what he's trying to say here. And he is he's connecting this with partial faith. So what he's actually saying is, if you've got partial faith, it's good for nothing. You're breaking the whole thing. Have the whole faith. Have complete faith. Now that's what he's trying to say. And I've given you the answer now. Now you're going to see from the answer's perspective what, I'm, what, what this says here. It says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now listen, you do well. Now, loving, um, this scripture is not what Jesus talked about when he said, uh, if you take the law together, you know, it is this. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was just uh, one law in all the laws that was given in Deuteronomy that could take everything together. If you love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, you will fulfill the whole law. That's what he said. But the new commandment he gave was that we would love one another as he loved us. Which is something completely different. So, uh, we're not going to get into that, but I don't want to make it too complicated. Right. If you fulfill the royal law, well, the only reason why I say this, this royal law is the same as the Ten Commandments. You can say, no, Barry, that's not true. Well, you can go to, um, and, and write this down. Let me find the verse. You can go to Leviticus 19, verse 18, and you can go and see that that law, which says, thou should love your neighbor as yourself, is written down in Leviticus 19, verse 18, where it says, you shall do this. It's a part of the law. Just the law given. That's what you must do. And they asked him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, you will believe, you will honor, the, you, you will um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus took those things from the Old Testament, gave it to them, and said, this is the greatest one of all the laws. But a new commandment I give unto you. What was a new commandment? To believe on Him. So that you can love each other as I have loved you. When you believe on Jesus, you will love people as Jesus loved us and gave His life. That's why we've got this ministry. We don't have this ministry because we want to just make money and be seen of people. And I can tell you the truth before God. That's why we, uh, we don't have this ministry for that reason. The reason why we have this ministry is to see you established in the grace of God. Because we want to lay down our lives. We've laid down our lives. I've given up things. My wife has given up things. She had a very nice job. She gave that job, job up when we had nothing. She gave it up so that we can go and preach the gospel. For I said to her, my wife, if we get used to this a lot of money right now while we are so poor and we want to go somewhere, we will get addicted to that. So let's leave it. And she said, yes, my heart is for the work of God. She, she, she got a good salary. She was a teacher. She got a good salary that time. We could have bought a house. We didn't do that. We left that. The reason why was this message, this gospel of grace, working in our hearts. That's why we left all those things and did it. Because there was a new commandment given unto us. That new command was to believe in what Jesus done for us. Okay. He says, but if we have, um, he says, coming to the law now, listen to this. 
If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. So what he's saying is, let's look at your works now, just on a law basis. Forget even grace. Just a law basis. You're already breaking the law. It says you will love your neighbor as yourself. Now you've got respect to people. There are some people you don't love. And now you, you are convinced as a transgressor of the law. Remember those people, these Jews, lived by the law. So what he was showing them is, by the law you guilty me. For they stood upon the law. Because it was written to the twelve tribes, which lived by the law. So he took the law to show them they're guilty. And then he showed them they believe in Jesus. They don't understand, they will not understand the concept that says, well, you've had the faith of partiality, you're actually messing the whole thing up. Then James went, he said, let's take this thing to the law and explain to you how it works by the law. For that's how you will understand it. By the law, if you break one, you break it all. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and get up in one point is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit adultery, yet if, if you kill, thou shalt uh, become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye. Listen to this. Now you must listen to this. This is the crux of this whole thing. You must understand this. He said to them, let me go over it. You've got the faith of the Lord with respect to persons or partially. You've become partial in your heart. There's partial faith. There's a place where you've got faith, but there's another place where you still walk, spotted of the world under rules and regulations, honor this one, honor that one, all that. That's what he said. Then he said, let me explain this to you. If you keep the law that says you must... Love your neighbor as yourself. Which is actually, and, and James is very clever in taking that, that scripture because that was taking all the laws together. He says, if you keep that, you do well. But if you are partial, showing respect to people and not loving your neighbor as yourself, you have broken that law. And if you broke that one, which was taking all the laws together, you are guilty before the whole law. Then he said in verse 12, Coming back to grace now. Speak, so speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So, they will not be judged by the law, the royal law, but they will be judged by the law of liberty. So, he said, in the royal law, it worked like this. You can't have a partial thing, you have got the whole thing. Because a partial thing, you're guilty before it. So when it comes to the law of liberty, the same principle works. Have the whole good news. Don't have half the good news. It's like Paul said, he says, if you believe in Jesus but you are circumcised, then it will not benefit you at all. And we must open our hearts to that. That will not benefit you. You can't have half, half, the, one, half the, the law of grace and half the law of good news. Half the law of good news and half the law of the commandments. That's spotted of the world. That will not give you life. That's going to kill you. Now, let's continue. We've just got ten minutes. Um, before this is the end of the tape, we'll continue with this in the next session. Verse 13 then. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoice, uh, uh, rejoices against judgment. So what he is saying is, if you didn't have mercy, in other words, if you have not received mercy, how will you have mercy if you have not received it for free? 
So he will be mer- mer- he will not show mercy to those that has not received mercy or had mercy. Now let's read it again. For he he says, show mercy to these people. Where will we get the mercy that we will show to the people? We will get it from God that gives it to us for free. That's where we will get it. It says, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy. And mercy rejoice against judgment. So he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So what he said is, listen, this law of grace that we are in is greater than the law of right and wrong. So if you get into the law of grace, the law of liberty again, it will rejoice or rule over that other law. So get into grace. But if you could never have shown mercy flowing from correct faith, because James was so sure that what you believe in Jesus can produce the right thing, that he made this bold statement, that he said, for he, that, that, um, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoice against judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, that uh, though a man say, uh, would have faith and have not works, can faith save him? So, <clears throat> this is, <laughs> we're going to get into a powerful piece here now. Faith alone, in this context, cannot save you. Because what they did was, they only believed that Jesus will save them, you know, and, and how will you be saved from your stinginess? How will you be saved from um, being a person that's just worried about people if you've just got partial faith? He says, no. The first thing you must do is, you must have complete faith. Jesus says that He wants this thing complete in your life to bring, to make you whole. Have the whole thing. Amen. If you just look at the law, he says here, in the law you must have the whole thing. If you don't obey the whole law, you're guilty before the law. But he was saying then, if you don't believe the whole good news, you're actually guilty before the message of grace. Believe the whole good news. Now, these people knew the whole good news. That's the first thing. Then they decided to abandon some of it and just believe some for, for a click. That's wrong. Take the whole good news. For yourself. Because the whole good news is going to produce mercy in your life. And you're going to see the mercy of God manifested towards those that's got mercy, which are those that believe the good news. Now, he was really placing an emphasis on works here. And um, it is <laughs> it's very difficult to explain this. But because his emphasis is so high on, on, on the works. But let's continue and you will see what he says here. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he's got faith and have not works, can faith save him? Now, let me put it in other words. If you say that I've got faith um, that, uh, that, that God, uh, I've got faith that God gave me a new life. And you, in that, actually, you need to be changed in certain areas of your life. Because you might be struggling with a bad temper. You might be struggling with laziness. And because you're struggling with that thing, that thing produces great discomfort and bad things in your life. And you want to be saved from that. So now you say, I believe, but you don't believe, you believe so partially that it cannot bring a change in your life. What it was actually saying is, then your salvation means nothing. For he came to bring a change in your life. True salvation. That's what he brought. He brought, faith works this way. You believe it without uh, partiality. You believe the whole good news. That whole good news will change, bring a change in your life. The emphasis is not the change. The emphasis is the faith. 
Because it started out here with the faith. That's how it started out. It, it starts out, read the previous chapter, it talks about the goodness of God, what God gave to us freely. Then it comes, don't be under the law, but have complete faith. And this complete faith, what it will bring is complete salvation in your life. What does it benefit you believe, but it never brings anything? Now, you can hear it wrongly by me saying, by me saying this, and you can hear what I'm saying is, well... It doesn't help you believe you better start to do things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what does it help you only believe half the good news because half of faith does not produce a thing. The faith of God should be held not half with the law, half with grace because that does not produce the righteousness of God. Have the whole faith, this is what he says, then you'll find that you've got mercy in your life. You will find that mercy triumphs over judgment. You will also see that... um, you will start to have a a manifestation of what God talks about. Then goes on, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be be warmed and filled, notwithstanding that you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? So, he's not trying to say here that we must give to the poor. That's not what he's trying to say. He's saying, if somebody's got nothing, and you say to him the words, be clothed, but you are not clothed with it. What does it help? Because what, and, and that's what he connects to these people's faith. They just heard the word, you've been made righteous. But these people don't receive it. They don't believe it's for them. That's why they are still in the law in part of their life. That's why they don't receive it. So, um, let's go on and we're going to end off here at verse 20 and then go into the rest the next, next session. It says, even so faith, even so faith, if I if it has not works, is dead being alone. So, he's not saying uh, believe and do good works. He's saying the type of faith that does not produce the work is not the whole thing. So, he, the, the point here is faith. He says dead faith. You get dead faith. Well, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're, you, what you're actually believing is other things. These people in the book of James were actually believing other things. They were believing that the honor of people are more uh, greater than the honor of God. They believed that be, befriending the rich is what makes you rich. They believed wrong things. And then they had wrong actions. I want to get back to, to what we uh, said in, in the beginning in, in Ma- was it Matthew, Luke 18. There was people that had faith in God and had good works. But God said that the sinner was more righteous than that person that just trusted in the goodness of God. So we should not confuse these things. And in the next uh, uh, session or next Sunday we're going to talk about this in depth. Listen to me. Even so, listen to verse 17, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. So, um, if you just believe, and the, the faith here, you must remember the faith that, they talk, that he talks about here is not just, is not talking about believing I am the righteous with God, of God with all my heart. That's what he's talking about. He says that this, this type of faith that doesn't have work, there's something wrong with it. It's alone. It doesn't produce salvation. If the faith that you have does not produce salvation, it's a wrong faith. If you say that you're a Christian 
and uh, you say, now I believe Jesus did everything for me, but you are still struggling with depression, you are still struggling with, you never experience any peace, you always feel condemned, you always feel that by my works I must do it. Let me tell you something, there's something wrong with your faith. You're believing something wrong. Because the faith of Jesus, the true faith, produces the right thing. And let me explain it this way. If, you, if there's a bomb in your house today, and you've got partial faith about that bomb, let me explain partial faith. You believe that the bomb is there, but will only, it will never explode. That's what you believe. You believe in the bomb. You believe the bomb is there, but you don't believe it's ever going to explode. You know what? That's going to change your deeds. Your belief, that belief, will flow over into certain deeds. But if you've got the right faith, saying, there is a bomb in your house, and it will explode any time. You know what? That faith will produce the right work. So what he's saying here, if your faith is not, doesn't have works, your faith is not actually um, the right faith. It is called death. Because it's spotted off the world. It's, it's, it's contaminated with works. That's what it's all about. So, well, we're going to get more into this. Go and study this out. It's going to be interesting for you. Um, God wants us to understand this. But there's grace in this as well. Hallelujah. Here and there I'll find a thing that I would say, Oh, James, why did you put it that way? But most of this can be interpreted in the message of grace. Well, I want to thank you that you've joined us in this broadcast of Web Church. Remember that I said we're going to have a shorter service today because we cannot uh, record on the computer. We have to record on a tape and then put it on the computer. But thank you so much that you've joined in this. God bless you. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you that I can stretch forth my hand to this congregation. I thank you that, this, that all the people here agree with me right now that we've got a type of faith that produces works. Thank you, my God. Our focus is not the works, but the faith that produces the works, which is Jesus We are not mindful of the works. We are mindful of Jesus and then we see the works in our hearts. And we can show our faith by our works because our our faith is a works producing faith. Thank you my God. And thank you that you are not a God that judges us according to our works but that we've been made righteous in Jesus. And I bless every person that has been listening to me. Thank you my God. This trip to Zambia is a blessed trip. Amen. Thank you that you've joined us. Remember the meeting after the service. God bless you. Must stop.